So a couple weeks ago, we did an episode on uh, the famous David Foster Wallace cruise ship essay. And this guy, Peter, shows up. He's all happy. He's like, I read the essay. I loved it. However, didn't read the footnotes. And he's what? all proud of himself. <laughs> like, he's acting like that counts. <laughs> yeah, you know. Okay. Uh, this was on my agenda for this week's episode. Because uh, I was going to... Um, I'm glad you brought this up. I still stand by my stance. I know you put it out there on the internet and got everybody to di- to agree with you. And I was the one who, who didn't, you know, do the assignment correctly. But... It, I enjoyed the essay immensely. It was my favorite one I read, and I didn't read the footnotes. Continue. I mean, what can you say? If you liked it, you liked it, right? Wait, the footnotes going to make it better somehow? I don't know. Well, I, I, it's, I think in Matt's view, it's um, the, the, the footnotes are part of the, uh, the meal, so to speak. And I just, uh, yeah, I just cast that aside. I said, I don't <laughs> want that. It's like a little kid who ate his french fries and drank his pop. No, I think I just I ate, ate dinner. I ate the crust <laughs> of the pizza, and uh, I have no regrets, Matt. I was actually thinking about that. I was thinking of how upset that one essay made me. Just the footnotes being within the text in like little boxes with arrows everywhere. It just made me upset. I was at work doing a mindless task at work, and I thought, I can't believe you made me read that essay that had just... It was, it was long too, Matt. It was long. Continue, Matt. Make your point. Well, Bre- well we have with us a uh, some of a David Foster Wallace expert himself, uh, co-host of Art of Darkness podcast, Brad Kelly. Hey, hi. And I, I kind of we brought him in as a neutral arbiter to all our disputes. <laughs> so. I, I like that. I'm used to doing that sort of thing. So, yeah, on this, I think. DFW himself, I don't think he would have felt like it was necessary for you to read the, the footnotes. Oh. That's my opinion. Now, to f- get the full experience, then yeah, you do. But I, I think I think he would have I think David Foster Wallace would have been cool without with you not reading the footnotes. Oh. Brad, you gotta come back every week. Every week. <laughs> <laughs> you just bring me in. I'll be your mediator. You bring me in for these issues. I think I lost the Twitter pool by like it was like eighty eight. That Matt or something? Wow, ninety-eight percent. It was a lot. Oh, wow. All right, all right, man. Well, you and I will be marooned on an island together, on Twitter Island together, I guess. Yeah, I just, um, I've never been a big fan of footnotes. They're distracting to my brain. My brain, I just, I, the pros is the pros, right? Uh, I'm probably never gonna read Infinite Jest to to Matt's, you know, infinite, you know despair um, but I still have a couple uh, essays to read to, to pay off a debt but I'm glad I can just skip the footnotes I, I, I did find that I read it on a Kindle which I don't normally do and it was much easier because I didn't how does, have... it, how does it look on there are the footnotes like at the bottom or they're not they're just ah. a number and you click on the number and the footnote okay. appears okay. so to me I don't see the footnotes at all and I'm just okay. flying through these essays and I come on the podcast and I tell Matt, hey, I'm liking this. And then I break his heart within two minutes. Well, I, I will say that I think if you were going to read Infinite Jest, I think the footnotes, 
I will say I the footnotes are one of my favorite parts of Infinite Jest. Not because they're there necessarily, but the actual what's in them. There are some amazing footnotes in Infinite Jest. So if you yeah. do ever someday read that book, I, I suggest at least occasionally dipping your toe in, in and checking the footnotes out there. I think contractually we would have to make that part of it if we did read it just you skip them for the essays that's fine but I, i'm with you there and see the thing is brad i messed up by having him read an essay with really wild experimental foot it's from consider the lobsters that book host where he went with the radio talk show host and they're just crazy there's like yeah. arrows pointing and loopy and i had him read that first and i think that put, i it was too much too soon so i, I put yeah, I could see that. That gets into, it looks like a physicist chalkboard or something. It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. That's a bit, that is a bit much. Exactly. It, I, see, this is the thing about David Foster Wallace. Probably as soon as he published that, he probably had an anxiety attack thinking, should those have been in there? Did I overdo it? That, you know, yeah, he probably spent a month freaking out about that. So, yeah. I think the first time we met Matt at the old Barnes and Noble in the old, in the old back of the back of the store there and the, the receiving i think the first books you you're like oh what kind of books do you like i think you mentioned david foster wallace and infant jess and i thought oh okay that's eh, it's kind of intense you might have i think i wasn't the big while i read it i went and i read it in i didn't read it in coffee shops didn't make a movie deal, but, you know that's the that's the respectable way to do it. I mean, yeah, it is one thing. Flip that thing open, you know, in public, put your boots on the table. I could yeah. see you having two copies. One just like the normal pros, and then you have the second copies over to the side where you have the footnotes. You're already to the footnotes, Matt. And then you could just easily go back and forth. And then you don't buy anything at the coffee shop, and then you get to become that guy. Yeah, yeah. I kind of want the oops all footnotes version of Infinite Jest, to be honest. It'd be about, I don't know, 70 pages or something. Yeah, yeah Peter, you could just read the footnotes and yeah. act like what you if I just did that and I just, I'd be like, uh, footnote 182. Uh, I think Please. I've, I think your, uh, your, what your plan got flipped on you, Matt. I did. I lost the, uh, the uh, mediation, the adjudication. Mediation. Yeah. I think you owe me an apology on Twitter. I okay. I'll apologize. <laughs> I and for the that. fourth, for the fourth and final essay, you don't have to read the footnotes. Maybe I'll uh, I, see. I know what you're doing right there. I know what you're doing. I'm gonna just talk about the footnotes. I will say the e the e version I got. I'm not sure it had the full footnotes. Because when we were discussing the book and you were telling me about these footnotes, I would pull them up and it would be like almost abridged. That might have been worse. Maybe. And we just to put this to bed, we don't have to get too carried away. Okay. But it, he did put some like good content in there. It's not just ancillary stuff. And, and that was probably part of his whole, I don't want to call it shtick, but you know, kind of what he did. He put some, he does an infinite jest too. He put some entertaining stuff in there and then some just big old long names of pharmaceutical drugs, just, you know, all sorts of stuff. Well, we can let it, we can let, we can let the uh, debate rest for here. Okay, we'll do it. And on that note, welcome to There Will Be Books, a podcast about books and footnotes. I'm Peter, joined as always by Matt, and this week, special guest Brad Kelly. Um, Brad, thanks again for coming on. Uh, oh, 
thanks for having me, man. I this is an honor. I I love your show. So this is this is so much fun for me. We're not as serious. I mean, I went to I went to school for English, Matt for. I don't know exactly what he went to. It's English, short, <laughs> not English. Hodgepodge. Hodgepodge. The experience, the stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, he comes at it. I think you've made me less serious about literature, and that's not a bad thing. Hey, I think take that. You always, you always uh, point out the funny parts of stories, and I'm always like, oh yeah, that was pretty funny. So anyway, uh, coming up with the idea for this week's episode, we kind of just wanted to do. I don't know. When you meet someone who likes books, you just talk about books, right? Authors, yeah. how you come about books? How do you um, display the books in your house? Do you have an order? Do you have a reason? I have a bunch of questions. Most of them are nerdy. <laughs> uh, That's cool. That's great. That's why I'm here. <laughs> I love it. Matt, do you have a starting point? I know you... Uh, you, you... Well, all right. Do you couple... But So I guess the first thing is, Brad, do you remember... As a kid, did you read a lot as a kid? Yeah, yeah, it was kind of obsessive. I read more then than I do now, probably. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, so do you remember the first one or two adult books that you read as a kid? 100%. I, I The first one that sort of, without equivocation, was an adult book I read was Stephen King's Misery in third grade. Oh, man. Yeah. I, I had this weird thing. So my, my folks love them they're not readers they don't they don't read there weren't a lot of books around when i was a kid so it was sort of something that for some reason i glommed onto and so i think my parents had this idea that well if it's in a book it's fine kind of oh, thing. Yeah. like they didn't <laughs> he's supposed to be reading right so it's got to be fine so stephen king's misery it didn't matter that the movie was rated r apparently the book was fine and um that thing peeled at the top of my skull off, like just just how intense it was. And I don't even know that I liked the violence. I think, yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on what you mean by like. I liked how intense of an emotional reaction I had to it. it and I have to admit, it was like a little bit past the edge of my ability to comprehend. Like I remember kind of being lost. But when I got it, it like it was a very intense emotional experience, like fear and, and the sense of danger and, and, and all of that. Um, and like repulsion and, and everything. And I was, I was hooked. Like from then I just skipped over all young adult stuff. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, and there's a, I'm sure I missed a lot of great stuff that I should have read or would have enjoyed reading. I just went like Stephen King. And then I read a bunch of like, uh, I read, most of the Stephen King, most of Michael Crichton, that kind of thing. And then eventually got a little more pretentious as I got into high school. But yeah. Matt, that's right <laughs> up your alley. Crichton. That's perfect. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Those books just... are great. Those oh. books are great. I don't like it when people dismiss Stephen King. It bothers me. Yeah. yeah. I have never read a Stephen King book. Actually, that's not true. In college, they made, in writing, they made you read uh, on writing. Did you ever read mm. Stephen King's kind of short? It's actually pretty good. It is good. Uh, yeah. Uh, I read that. How he writes his books and stuff like that. But I never got into a King phase. And then yeah. I felt like I was going to get to. Do you guys agree that it's sort of if you start early, like, you know, teenager, then you kind of become a King fan for life almost. I just never. I think I'm kind of scared of those books. There's probably something to that because it does like 
there like you asked me it was the first adult book i read so there was a way that he like opened the door for me so there, there's probably always going to be a soft spot like i have a certain loyalty to him and not that every book he ever wrote was the greatest thing but um yeah for sure one good one like if you never read any I, this is probably a um, unorthodox entry point but the first volume of the gunslinger series the dark tower series the gunslinger short it's like 200 and 200 to 250 pages it's it's great it's very in my in my opinion it's the strongest piece of writing so i had a friend in high school who's a big Stephen king fan and dark tower series was like one of his favorite series you don't have to you can confirm this but don't maybe don't spoil it mm-hmm. he said the ending was terrible See, I I read the first three, and then he took like a big long gap, and honestly, I never I never picked it back up for whatever reason. So I have no idea what happens after. What is it? The Wasteland, I think, is the third one. Um, but up all those first three are pretty great. But the first volume is like, as they go on, it it starts to break into like our world. It's in like a fantasy kind of world. It starts, and it's fine. It's good. But there's something about that first volume that's that's exquisite in my opinion i think it's great nice matt did you ever read the dark tower series no no i haven't like something you would read i'd be in yeah i'd be interested in doing it i did i remember in high school i got really i read the long walk and that grabbed me i you know like where you stay up late and skip dinner just to Mm -hmm. read that book so i remember doing that with him and his son joe hill is actually very good writer in his own right is that right i've heard that but i've never never read anything yeah and supposedly they made just the movie is supposed to be terrible but the book horns i actually really liked oh and i read that and i don't no i read 20th century ghost and i didn't realize it was it was just joe hill i didn't realize it was stephen king's kid and i read Mm. horns and it was something about there's a whole big plot i don't get into it as like the, the character is kind of a privileged kid and i was like this guy kind of nails what that would be like and then i looked it up afterwards like ah there we go oh ah, yes oh yes his dad's the most famous rich writer in the world i see exactly. yeah <laughs> yeah goes by joe hill i get, do give him credit joe king i i do respect that honestly changing the but, name up that's that's a good and that's a cool move supposedly that's why it's his middle name and that's you just didn't want to trade on his dad's i like that but yeah, I once you get once you establish yourself, then you can be like, oh yeah, by the way, Stephen King's my dad. But yeah, like yeah, that's cool. Well, I had a theory about um, uh, what a nepotism in books, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, what Martin Amos, King's Amos's kid, like Joe Hill. I think your parent might be able to get that first publishing contract for you. Yeah, but after that, I don't think it. it they can't give you a career. Right. If if it's bad, it's bad and you're not gonna keep going. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I think that's probably true. I mean, I don't know how many I'm sure there are plenty of cases. I can't think of a whole lot off the top of my head. But yeah, I think you're right. I mean, there is it's not a meritocracy, but there is a merit meritocratic element to it. I mean, if nobody wants to read the books, nobody's gonna read them. <laughs> yeah. yeah so. They're not gonna keep handing you out contracts because yeah. I also don't think it, I don't, it's kind of the author lifestyle almost seems kind of boring compared to like movie stars where you see like the, the kids, you know, following the footsteps or like musicians and stuff like that. So yeah. I don't know. I was, I would always feel like, like the, the children of famous authors would be put off by it. 
probably that's a know. that's a good point it is it's not boring, it's a boring lifestyle it's hard work <laughs> it's, it's not glamorous it's yeah. years between books um i don't know even but, if you even if you have like a reasonable amount of success doesn't is almost no money yeah like there's it's it's very difficult to like make any kind of um yeah, any kind of like actual money at it, or especially for like a long time, right? Yeah. You might get a movie deal and then that's it for 30 years. You know, it's a challenging, it's a challenging uh, craft to make a dollar at for sure. You mentioned yeah. in high school, you kind of went towards the maybe pretentious stuff or like more mm -hmm. like serious stuff. What were, what yeah. kind of like, what was your entry point into, um, kind of reading, I don't know, quote unquote serious literature? However, yeah. Probably the biggest one was Jack Kerouac. Oh. Um, and yeah, Jack Kerouac. And then also <clears throat> I read, I had a brother who was four years older than me. Um, and he, I would read all of his assigned reading for high school. And so I just like, which was interesting because I liked it. I liked most of it. Right. And um, then when I got to that, like I ended up having the same teachers as him. I'd already read all this stuff because it's all the same books. <laughs> so I had this weird thing where it was like, I actually like reading. Like I'm not a ducking this stuff because I, I just don't want to do it. But I, I literally read this book last year or whatever. <laughs> um, so I ended, I suddenly had like all this oddly had all of this space. Um, and so Jack Kerouac was big. And then that that ended up he ends up being kind of a good conduit because he references a lot of other people. And so you can kind of be like, well, who's he? Who's he? Who's this person he's talking about? And who's that person he's talking about? And what is this whole thing where they're beat the beat generation? What's that? Oh, and then you find out it's sort of like it's sort of in opposition to other currents that are going on in, in American and world literature. And so you're like, oh, OK, well, so what's the opposite of Jack Kerouac? And it, it's really for me anyway, it was like a really cool entry point because it's also and it's also like literally like hip. It's about like doing drugs and bumming around and jazz music and right like so it's it doesn't feel stuffy it's not like trying to read marcel uh, you know proust when you're 15 it's yeah so, kind of so the, that was i had a, a great uh class in college it was taught by a, a teacher that actually knew some of the beats and it's just a, a class on the beat generation and i also feel like they benefit from like very cool stories about like jack kerouac wrote the whole you know on the road on like a part of like a scroll basically like mm -hmm, they have like mm -hmm. the antidotes with their stories they're like some of them are crazy and so like yeah. crazy ginsburg all this kind of stuff is very crazy and that you know it lends itself to movies but it's yeah. interesting because on the road i feel like i think i've read it twice and it held up on second on like a rereading but i don't feel i don't know this might just be my perception but i feel like the beats have kind of dropped off a little bit as far as like you know people reading them or like mm -hmm. being in schools that they, they kind of Seemed like they had like a, a moment, but I don't know if it's that's still the case. But yeah, yeah, I think it's it. it I think it particularly Kerouac falls into like a a thing that young men young men read, sort yeah. of like um, Siddhartha or um, or like Bukowski, um, and so it kind of serves that purpose. But yeah, you don't really hear that much conversation about him. I mean, I later came around to like thinking. Uh, being like hugely enthusiastic about William S. Burroughs. Like I, to this day, I, I still have a couple that I haven't read that I have purchased and are like, as soon as I get to those, I'm going to read them. 
um he ends up for me being like the most significant of them as a writer and a thinker um but it took me a while to get that because his work is so strange and like pur purposefully uh it obscures itself like on purpose yeah <laughs> yeah he's cutting things up and moving things around and deliberately like breaking the plot so it doesn't make any sense i think i read junkie and and for that class and i remember mm. being like huh <laughs> yeah <laughs> that was during that semester where i uh, stupidly took like five english classes at once nice. so i was just like i i just yeah so yeah so then you're reading like four or five books a week or, or trying yeah, to anyway trying to at least yeah i remember yeah. there's a there's a good kind of i think it's called go i want to say which is just like a minor character from the beat generation writing basically it's all sort of the major characters of the beat generation are the characters in the book. And I would mm -hmm. recommend that for someone who's kind of interested in. Yeah. I read that. I'm, I'm blanking on the, who, the guy who wrote that, but you're right. That's, that is a really good book. And it, yeah. it yeah. gives you a sense of like what the, all those people were actually up to for sure. Yeah. Um, Matt, any thoughts on the beat generation? I don't, you know, I never got too into them. I'm curious. I went through a phase a couple years ago and I'm still kind of in it. Where a lot of the stuff I I missed a lot of that traditional teenage stuff as a teenager, mm -hmm. uh, I was like a political history dork, and so I kind of my serious stuff. Was you reading Corvid all novels, Matt? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but then I came around. I read. I got really into Nietzsche, Herman Hess. I like loved The Magus by John Fowles, like that type of thing. Mm -hmm. that, That's great. There are part of there was part of me that like man you're reading like a 15 year old here but I really liked it so I wonder if I would appreciate Carol if I went back now and reread that stuff if there yeah. be there 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 is a little bit honestly like as I'm more of an adult trying to read particularly on the road you know if you read a little bit of it you're like dude just get a job like what are you like <laughs> come on man. like I get it but come on man like. <laughs> but at the same time, I, I mean, I sort of understand what he's doing. And and Kerouac has a, I, I mean, I don't think anybody gives him the, the credit for this anymore. He had at his peak, he had a masterful poetic voice. Like he, he had, that dude could write a sentence. Um, whether or not his books as a whole, like there are the book Desolation Angels, for instance, the thing is a mess. It doesn't even like hold, it, it's like, it's like, uh, wet tissue paper it kind of just falls apart as you read it is what it feels like to me but there are sentences and passages in there that are just gorgeous so yeah he's he was extremely talented guy but it's a little and I, I, I think he got famous too and also wasted most of the time so he wasn't necessarily uh crossing every t and dotting every i and that really shows gotcha. he also i think his first book that i don't think I don't know if he gets published, but he, he it's a very like traditional book, if I'm not mistaken, like the first book he writes. And then mm -hmm. after that, it's like he kind of goes to the beat, sort of he gets um sort of the, the beat culture and I don't know. It's kind of interesting how he starts off as a very like traditional author, a writer, and then he just kind of on the road comes right after that, sort of. So comes yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it Capote? That line about on the road is like, that's not writing, that's typing. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I he's got a point, but I, I don't know how carefully he was reading the best parts of Kerouac. I think some of those acerbic guy, like Gore Vidal too, I think they if they saw a good line, they'd say it, regardless of if they believe it. It's just like, oh, I see the line and yeah. It's like it's like Twitter in that regard. Exactly. It's like, yeah, it's like uh, it's provocative. It gets the people going, but yeah. I don't know how true it is necessarily. Yeah. So the so, funny Gorbadal, or sorry to do a Gorbadal tangent, but he was I love Gorbadal, by the way. Creation oh, is amazing. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Well, he was asked in one of those questionnaires, you know, the questionnaires, and one of the questions was are the three most depressing words in the English language? And he said, Joyce Carol Oates. <laughs> and then I, I read one of the biographies of him that was published posthumously and the biographer who was a guy who was like a memoir like he was a younger writer who was a friend of his mm-hmm. and he was like and that was hypocritical because i saw gore reading you know joy volume of joyce carol oates i was like a that's how he knows to make the joke and b he could even like her and just like Sorry, I saw the opening and right. you know, <laughs> three words. That's a three person, that uh, three names in that. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. The last one was a bummer, and so here we go. Right. It's pretty. It is pretty funny. I I don't have anything against JCO, but that is that is pretty funny. It's a good line. Me neither. I just, yeah. It's funny. Yeah. <laughs> so where in the canon, sort of like as you you know, high school and college, where where are you drawn to, sort of reading wise? What authors? And I had a question like. What do you look mm. for in a book? Are you looking for like prose, like the style? Because I'm more like, I feel like that's where I'm, that's my sweet spot. Or is mm. it plot or is it themes or is it the symbolism of the book? Is there something that you weigh more at when you're looking at writing or pro kind of books in that sense? That's, yeah, that's a really good question. I am, I probably first and foremost is the prose, like, what are these sentences? How do they feel? What is the texture of them? How do they sound? Um, so that's like far and away. And my and all my actual favorite favorite writers are are people that I consider to be masters in that in that territory. But there are also like I, I have to admit, like there are well known books and writers who have good, reasonably good style that I just think it's boring, like. Since I yeah I have I got an MFA, since that time like I read so much just like here's another story about a dissatisfied guy who got a divorce and they're trying to figure it out and this is kind of sad and I just don't care like I might have cared like the first five times but there's this sort of like blandness like I need something that's got some edge to it whether that's intellectually or um some degree of transgressiveness though i don't care for that just for its own sake um and uh i also like you know i'm very interested in anybody who's got like an interesting sort of quasi philosophical idea i mean this is the thing that i like about william s burroughs his sentences aren't the greatest they're very very competent and occasionally brilliant but you take a book like the cities of the red knight and it is conceptually the wildest thing I think there is. And so that's very appealing to me. And it's and it's and it's not just for shock. So Burroughs earlier, earlier on seemed to sometimes be doing things mostly for the shock value. By the time you get towards the end of his career, Cities of the Red Knight and those sorts of things, he has 
figured out how to take his particular genius and channel it just enough to give you something genuinely original conceptually on the page. And so that's the kind of, that tends to be the sort of thing that I'm looking for, like prose first um, and, and then sort of, you've got to pass a certain threshold in terms of character development and stuff too. I have to believe in the characters um, though. You know, I think any decent book does that fairly well, usually. Um, so that's not as hard to find necessarily, I don't think. But like even we just had on Art of Darkness, uh, we just did a big long episode on Blood Meridian, which is kind of unusual for us. We usually cover somebody who's been dead for a long time. And yeah. this was this was a sort of uh, Kevin and I my co-host Kevin and myself and then our guest Aaron Gwynn were all sort of devotees of that book. And so we're like, all right, well, let's talk about it. I mean, you know, on the face of it, that book is, is, um, it's sort of like a neo Western of some kind. And you could just say, well, I don't like Westerns, but like the stuff that he's up to there, the conception he has of history, um, how individual characters interact with history. How do you make what's effectively like some kind of cosmic horror novel happen on horseback? Like it's uh, how do you bring the how do you bring the landscape in and make it make it a cogent, terrifying, sinister character in and of itself. So like those sorts of trying, I guess it's really ultimately trying to do something new that actually works, that actually lands is 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 often what I'm looking for. And yeah. So sometimes I I I look at like what's happening now in terms of like trends, and I do try to like keep up with like what is the hot literary book right now and i'm very often just not excited by it yeah. frankly i think yeah. we're kind of mostly with you there yeah you know, yeah we there's often, exceptions there's good stuff yeah. comes out all the time but like yeah. i will occasionally be like i know whatever is on fire about fill in the blank and i'll go check it out i'm like i don't get it <laughs> i don't know why anybody cares i was gonna ask, yeah. yeah i was gonna ask you do you read mostly old stuff or are you are you sounds like you read sort of new stuff as well is there kind of a would you put a percentage yeah. eyes on it or yeah i mean up until we started doing art of darkness i would try to read at least like you know not that i was keeping that close a score but i would try and read like at least 25 percent stuff from the last maybe decade right mm -hmm. so that's contemporary to me um now that we're doing the show i don't uh it's funny because I pick who I'm going to cover. So I was about to say, I don't really pick what I read, but, <laughs> but, but I, I, it's almost all for the show. And yeah. generally we're covering, we're covering um, people who have been dead for varying amounts of time. So right now I'm reading paradise lost. Um, I'm sort of wishing I hadn't decided <laughs> to cover John Milton, to be honest. Yeah. He's an interesting guy, but man, I'm like halfway through paradise lost and it's just, it's a little exhausting at this point. Um, do you have to do uh, Regained and I will, I will probably read Regained too. Yeah, I'll probably read Paradise Lost and Regained. I'm reading some of his political, like his polemical work too, um, just enough to get a sense of like what he's doing. Because um, that's most of it. It's basically a bunch of sonnets, Paradise Lost, Paradise Regained, Samson, uh, Samson something, and then a bunch of political tracts. Um, which, you know, are kind of interesting, actually, but they're more interesting for their context than actually reading them, I would say. 
Yeah. Yeah. As a polemicist. Can yeah. I do a, a, a tangent, like a little rabbit hole? So yeah, just, sure. In, I took a British lit class in high school and we were talking about Milton. And just one of the descriptions of Milton's work said he went blind reading. And he, by the end, he read and his daughters read to him everything that had ever been in print up to that point. And I remember we got into a big debate as to whether or not that was possible. Mm-hmm. Was that hyperbole? Or could you at that, this 16, whatever, could you actually do that in theory? That seems- hey, it's hard to say. I think you might have been able to do it. Yeah, I'm, I'm skeptical, man. I'm skeptical. That sounds yeah. like no, a great, that's a great this- author story. That's yeah. a great. Yeah. I think there's one where Joyce couldn't see at the end of his life. And I had some teacher told me this and he was like, the letters had to be huge on the page. I don't know. I heard that when I heard Herman Miller's wife had to dot all the, the I's in this, and it's like written manuscript or cross his T's. Sound like a real gem of the guy. <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I do think, I mean, Milton is 16. He dies in 1674. Yeah. Uh, I, I, there wasn't that much in print. And I suppose like if you take out all of like the sort of newspaper stuff, the pamphlets and things, but just focus on like actual bound books. Books, yeah. I think it's possible you that he did. Be, right? Yeah. Nobody, the, apparently the reputation is nobody was better read than him. So like if anybody did it in his time, it was, it was, it was Milton. Would have been him. Well, yeah. even a hundred years, 200, you know, now it's impossible. There's no yeah. way. You can even read what was printed this year oh, in yeah. your life. Yeah. <laughs> I've never a bit, never wanted to read Paradise Lost. I don't know. Matt, if you ever yeah. nominate that for a monthly pick, I'll be like, eh. Yeah, I'll have to. Uh... Busy, man. We're busy, and we're always behind <laughs> on our books, so we're never gonna. Yeah. Get... We're... Here's the cool. Here's the cool. There's a couple cool things about Paradise Lost. One okay. of the cool things, or some of the cool things, is like it was the first time that anybody had a book contract. Apparently, oh really? Like an actual what we would recognize today as a book contract with like you get this percent and I get this. Um, he. It was the first time anybody had written a long poem that didn't rhyme, and oh. so in English. And so it was so confusing for the book buying public that he had to write like an apology in the second edition where he was like, the reason, listen, it, it doesn't rhyme on purpose. Like he had to basically t- convince people that he wasn't just a crappy poet. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, this man can't even, he doesn't even know what a rhyme is, yeah. you know. Um, so there's cool stuff like that historically about it. That's pretty, that's pretty interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, that whole thing with where he accidentally made the devil sympathetic—is that <laughs> was that an accident? Or I don't think it was an accident, really. Yeah. I think he's—I think he's doing uh, the grand tradition of the villain that's very difficult to argue against. Okay. Yeah. So, like, you see this in like Kurtz and Heart of Darkness, and and a Captain Ahab to a certain degree, and uh, and the Judge Holden in Blood Meridian, where you've got this villain, and and what's the bad brother and brothers Karamazov, where like oh. the worst person has the best arguments, right? Yeah, yeah. I think, I think it's a bit of that, where it's like, you know, if you get trapped in the intellectual sphere. And 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 let yourself get argued out of your moral code or whatever. Yeah. Or the uh, it's not an intellectual thing, but the the Joker in the Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's just appealing, right? So you can feel yeah. yourself getting sucked into him, kind of. Yeah, yeah. 
you mentioned Cormac McCarthy. What's your favorite McCarthy? Blood Meridian or Sutri, or do you have a like a yeah? I, I mean, I want to I want to say like some hipster choice like Outer Dark, which is awesome, but it ends up being it ends up being Blood Meridian, probably Blood Meridian Sutri. Um, God, I don't know after that. Outer Dark is so good. I haven't read Outer Dark. It's a slim one. It's one of his earlier ones. Or is it his first book? I think it's a second. Second. It's a second or third. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. Yeah. See, I didn't really care for Child of God as much. Okay. I I know a lot of people love that book. It didn't really work for me. But I actually really like, and I know there's controversial opinions about it, Passenger and Stella Morris, I think, are great. I was deeply impressed by both of those books. I got those for Christmas and I was telling Matt, I started reading it. I was like, oh, this feels like homework. And I felt bad (laughs) because I like Cormac McCarthy. Yeah. 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 Go ahead. If I had to do it over again, I would start with Stella Morris, honestly. Oh, interesting. I think it's better that way, but that's my opinion. What do I know? Not Cormac, that's for sure. (laughs) We would hit Blood Meridian again or next. I think I'm anxious to. uh... I would. I. Carly read it 15 years ago and I loved it and it was just such a I probably missed so much in that book but it was just such a just like the reaction to it was like oh my gosh and it's just memorable I mean people talk about the judge you can talk about and, and stuff like that but and I, I one of my questions was uh what's a book that you want to revisit and maybe it's been 10 15 years you haven't read oh, it yeah, 20 yeah. years yeah, that's 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 a really good question. I mean, there's a there's a couple that immediately jump to mind. So one is I, I did the Brothers Karamazov. I don't think I really understood it at all. And I think I'm a much better reader. I probably read that gosh, it would have been around 2006 or something like that. I don't think I I don't think I think I I my eyes went over each of the words. <laughs> I don't think I really got, I got probably 10% of it. So that's probably, that's a big one for me. Um, and uh, Ulysses again, those big door stoppers that I feel like I don't, I didn't totally get, maybe I got parts of them, but I don't know. Like, I feel like I'm constantly developing more as a reader. And so I have to imagine that those rich books like that, are going to be more rewarding as time goes on for me. So those would be two big ones, Ulysses and uh, and Brothers Karamazov. I'm never going to read Finnegan's Wake ever. I decided that. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that's like incomprehensible almost. And It is. It is. It's fun to flip to a page. It's really yeah. cool to just flip to a random page and just read it and kind of go, what are you doing, man? <laughs> I had a professor be like, just get a thesaurus or a dictionary when you read Ulysses, but Mm-hmm. Finnegan's Wake, you don't really have to read. I was like, oh, that's interesting. No, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> there is a lot of. I think there. It's interesting. It is one that a lot of like literature professors will be like, yeah, you're fine without it. Yeah, you'll be okay. Yeah. <laughs> but I've had I've had a nice copy of Ulysses, and we haven't. I we've been meaning to read it on my shelf for like 15 years. Yeah. Library of America edition. But well, I was going to ask, do you need to read the Odyssey first? Will you be able to pick it up? I don't think you necessarily need to. When I read it, I definitely went um I I, I went and like refreshed myself with like an outline of the Odyssey just to like pick oh. up remind myself of the basic structure and some of the events and characters, but I don't think you really need to read um read the Odyssey. It, it's not you know, it's funny. It's like 
it is sort of a retelling of the Odyssey, but not as much as say, um, Oh brother, where art thou is Yeah, like, you know, where it's like beat by beat. I don't, I don't think Ulysses is quite that closely close to it. Uh, in general, it certainly is, but it's kind of a loose. Yeah. I, I, just... And that's my impression. Yeah. Yeah. We read Dubliners and that was, I mean, that's not like known to be difficult, but that was sort of our entry point into Joyce and it was good. There was nothing that was like, I really oh, enjoyed Dubliners. Expecting yeah. it to be a lot more difficult. <laughs> But. Yeah, he's another one. He got wild. He just got wilder and wilder as he went. Joyce did. Mm-hmm. Just started out writing pretty standard fare, very well done, some of it brilliant. And then just by the end, he's like trying to write a metaphor for the universe or something. Yeah. It's like, yeah, he went off the he went off the deep end for sure. In a, in a, like, I think a good way. Yeah. Well, he's like Picasso, like very good just with the normal formal stuff and then they just kind of got bored with that. And took off. Yeah, yeah. That's, I, I way, think that's this Matt's is Matt's son in the background. If you... Oh hi, <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> Do you hear him? Yeah, yeah a little bit. Yeah, I think he said my he name said, at one point. He said, oh, "Bless you, Peter," yeah, okay. because he knows when I'm here in this setup, I'm talking to Peter. So yeah, oh, oh he's <laughs> cranky. We just—he's our podcast producer. He just put. I love that. Him. Yeah. Um. Yeah. All right. Got Cormac McCarthy. I would say I would. It's interesting because I came to Cormac McCarthy from the road and I know that's like the most basic of McCarthy. And I was like, Oh man, I read it in a lot in a, my university bookshop while I was supposed to be working. I just like went into the, like the bookshop and I just start. It's like, Oh, this is cause I had heard about that. I think this is right when he was, I don't know if he had been on Oprah or if it was like Oprah's, but it was like, just had come out. I knew, didn't know mm-hmm. anything about him, but, mm-hmm. but I think the roads kind of, considered what a, a lesser mccarthy it's it's sort of simple it's not it's i think it's great though i yeah. i mean honestly i i any writer any writer in the almost any writer alive would uh if they'd Wait, written that yeah would be uh you'd consider them a huge that would be success. their first book on their like you know what they're known for i remember yeah. reading it and being like the action just came in a very pleasing time frame like it almost seemed like every 20 to 30 pages well I, that was my memory of it just being like oh mm-hmm. something happens and it was just very i don't know that was yeah it that's has I, it's I, very well paced yeah and and i know how negative that whole book is in terms of like it's dour it's dark and bleak and but there's a moment and i don't think it's necessarily a spoiler because it's not at the end it's like sort of in the middle they find a little bunker and there's like a bunch of food in there and like they have a moment where like they're going to be okay at least for a, a, a day or two they're, they're fine and i as i read that there was just like this palpable i don't know if i've ever gotten such a sense of relief reading a book just like like almost like misty eyed happy for them that they just got to sit and have a normal meal for a second <laughs> and so you have this whole bleak book and part of the beauty of it is like how resonant it makes that kind of banal moment of just like having a normal meal. Right. Yeah. And it, it raises it to like this almost like religious sense of like salvation. It's really, it's really interesting how he manages to pull that off. I would like to revisit that just as like, I remember liking it. And then for some reason in the last five years, I've been like, people just like, don't like it. I'm like, huh, 
And then some, yeah. oh, if you ever get this like self-conscious about your opinions on books and you're like, wait a second. It's one of those things. Oh, it's one of those things where things get too popular and then people get sick of them. And it's like, there yeah. is a re- like, oftentimes there is a reason why so many people liked it, you know, mm-hmm. like just because Oprah liked it doesn't mean it's not good, mm-hmm. you know? <clears throat> I appreciate about him. He was able to do, to drop quote unquote genre books and still be, I like it when literary people do that. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. Like Graham Greene used to do a, a serious books and he called them entertainments, mm-hmm. you know, like little spy books. And was, yeah. Yeah. I, I think we, I mean, I, I think there's probably going to be more of that. I mean, I know there's more, I know like the academic side of things has opened up a lot more to genre, like in terms of like the M- what the kinds of writers that MFA programs are cranking out and that sort of thing. And I think, I mean, I think a lot, I think a lot more people read that stuff. I think you're going to see like in future generations, like you're, we're going to have like a science fiction writer win the Nobel prize, like somebody who would be considered a science fiction writer in a previous generation is going to win like the Nobel prize or something like that. I think we're going to start to see that really infiltrate because part of the reason is like life is getting less and less realistic. (laughs) It's getting weirder and weirder. And like, man, I don't really know if like, uh, uh, you know, no disrespect to anybody but like i really don't know if like a sinclair lewis type style really captures what's happening to us on the sort of the psychic level so i think i think that stuff the genre stuff is going to resonate of course you know you're probably not going to see like a formulaic space opera win some big prize or get those those sort of serious accolades but we're going to see i think a lot of the elements of that um i'm banking on that anyway yeah, yeah. <laughs> Personally. You mentioned, I had a question about MFA. You're, you know, you graduated yeah. from MFA, and I kind of, yeah. when I was in college in like 2000, I graduated 2007. MFA, you kind of mentioned the MFA's changed. Are they trying to like, because it always seemed like it was very serious, same type of literature, like, yeah. like you mentioned, like divorced something. Right. Is there like a movement <laughs> to like get different kinds of writers into MFA or like to accept? Because I always remember there being like, I took writing classes and you weren't supposed to write genre because it was almost like we don't know how to grade it because we don't like I'm like that's odd like you you just had to write it about me I don't know yeah yeah I mean I had my one thing I'd have to say it's been a while since I've been I mean it's been years since I've actually been in a program or in academia at all but um it did there was seemed to be a tide turning even when I was when I came out and 2013 so there was a tide turning even then where we were at least we were getting um you know a lot of murakami influenced stuff a lot of magical realism influenced stuff um and i remember there being a sort of sense that like this kind of this kind of work hadn't necessarily flown in the years past at the program and i do know that like in more recent years, I've talked to some people that are either just going into a program or just coming out that it is a little bit looser for sort of genre type work. But see, the boundaries between these things are so loose. They're they're not as clear cut, I think, as people would like to think that they are. I mean, what even is science fiction? I mean, I'm not even sure that I know exactly. And what makes it really different from literary fiction? 
And does having a spaceship in it make it science fiction? Well, it turns out, according yeah. to the news, there's spaceships flying around all over the, all over the place. So exactly, so what is? Yeah, uh, yeah. <clears throat> Did you have to read a lot of freaking... Raymond Carver short stories? <laughs> yeah, I read a lot of Raymond Carver short stories. <laughs> that that used to be. Yeah. Too. <laughs> they're pretty good, but they, they all are good. are like they're almost like you can get. They're very. They're they they hit a lot of the same note. And there is a time, point when you kind of come out of it, you're like, yeah, I get it. I got it for, I got it 14 short stories ago. I got the point of these. I yeah. remember this It's a very short story and I don't remember the title where there's like a, a couple fighting over a baby and it almost, mm. the ending almost seemed like the baby was torn in half. And I was like, that is messed up. And I kind of enjoyed <laughs> the, like, probably inappropriate, but I was like, my take of this is, was the baby killed in this argument? And it was yeah. just, and I was like, that's messed up. And that's, I don't know what this is. Yeah, you, well, that's you the only story it. I remember that. And, but, yeah, you remembered it. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, that, yeah. that's a risk to have the baby die in the story. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. I mean, I think there is probably, it's got to be opening up to a certain amount, a certain amount because everybody's, well, this is the other thing too. Like as we, we kind of are, are sort of monocultural American existence is kind of broken down where all of these like little groups of, ourselves basically and so i think you know probably 20 30 years ago all the students would kind of come into an mfa program and you'd have expected there to be a lot of overlap in what they were familiar with reading wise and i have a feeling that now first day of class if you were to ask the people hey what are your five favorite books basically nobody would say the same book so there's gonna have to be i don't know how you you know just that sporadic and dispersed set of influences is going to bring a wide range of things and then you know the other thing too it's like you know some students are going to come in there not the best the best of the writers that come into those programs are going to write what they want to do anyway yeah, and well, so they're you know you're going to lose some of your best people if you start making a bunch of rules about what they can and can't write yeah. what do you are you big on that with your own book like, do you have a genre for it in your mind or? Yeah. Yeah. So as a, uh, as a marketing ploy, I have invented my own name for a genre. Uh, it's sci-fi P spelled P S Y Fi. Oh. Um, yeah. it does, it does mean something to me. Uh, uh, but it's kind of a gimmick or half of a joke more than anything. Um, cause I definitely, and as time goes on, this is more the case definitely uh sort of suspending the normal rules of realism um while occupying a uh sort of sentence by sentence style that is what i hope to be sort of more on the literary side of things i mean to me the 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 real distinction people talk about literary fiction and genre the real distinction between these things is um how the plot is motivated and so is the plot motivated by what the character's uh, sort of interior emotional cognitive reality is like is who they are determining what's happening or is stuff happening and they're kind of going through it. Um, and if it's more sort of the character, that's, you know, what I think people technically call character driven, if it's more character driven, that's like a little more literary, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um but you know, for me, it's interesting to make it like that sort of character driven where you're talking about the 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 emotional psychological reality of a person um 
but then you've got you've got the opportunity to to uh, uh pit that against more sort of genre type elements weird strange things happening science fiction sort of tropes or fan fantastical sort of tropes or somewhere in between um so so yeah i'm I'm conscious i'm definitely conscious of these boundaries like as i'm writing and like am i actually breaking the rules of physics or is it just appearing that i am like how are we going to play this game um that's very interesting to me that's interesting let me yeah. say i really liked your, your book was great i really oh, thanks man yeah yeah, thank I you I, everybody listening yeah house of sleep yeah yeah get it bradkellyesque.com thank you man i really do appreciate that it's so yeah. it's so hard to get people to read a book and i know it's asking a lot to like get somebody to so i really do appreciate that means a lot to me thank you man that's great uh, it's, yeah very good yeah. i remember when i finished it i tweeted out i was trying to you know i was trying to do like my own little blurb or whatever and i, I compared it to murakami and the magus mm-hmm and I was like, boy, I hope that's okay with him. I don't know how I feel about Murakami or John Fowles. But I meant it yeah. in the best. I, I love Murakami and the Magus, but that's Yeah, no, that's 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 amazing to me. I mean, I love Murakami. I have not honestly have not read the Magus. I've heard that I should, and so someday I will, but I, I love Murakami, so that's that's great. Yeah, absolutely. Those that's that's very fine company for sure. <laughs> We often talk about gaps in our reading on this show. Is there any mm-hmm. do you have a gap in your reading, like maybe specific culture or country or just oh, yeah. classics or do you have, a, oh my you have something that you're like, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say I haven't read X, <laughs> Y, and Z. Peter, you might've missed it, but yeah. uh, Aaron Gwynn got on tr- in trouble on Twitter for just, uh, he hadn't read Borges and the, Borges. Inter- and the internet almost exploded because of it. it yeah. He was like the main character on Twitter for a day. Uh, and he was just, it seemed like I follow him. He's just like yeah. happily like, man, Borges is really good. Aaron's got yeah. the best energy. Cause we, it's funny. We, we did uh we recorded an episode with him like the day after that happened. Yeah. And he's just got like, he did like, I don't think he, takes anything personally so he's just sort of like well i don't understand why everybody's so upset like he just like and you know it's like dude he had thousands of people like calling him all kinds of names like somehow it got turned the fact that he like did like hadn't read bora has like somehow turned him into like a sexist or something it was a very it got very strange yeah, oh, I should. I'm glad you run our Twitter account, Matt, because I would just be like, Yeah, I haven't read Dostoevsky. Like, You're yeah. oh, you shouldn't even talk about books, I'm like, right, right, right. No, so I mean, this is the thing I talk about gaps, I don't even really know where to start. I've read very little Shakespeare at all. Yeah. Uh, I've read Hamlet and King Lear, and that's it. Uh, god, I've so many things i haven't read i haven't i've read very i mean i've read a dozen two dozen books maybe that came out like before like modernism with a capital m like most of that stuff doesn't really appeal to me i've tried like i tried reading um oh who's the guy who wrote like um the one that's big for me like jane austen pride and prejudice no i haven't i haven't read charles dickens i haven't read any charles dickens at all um les miserables i've not read any of that (laughs) yeah there's a ton there's a ton of stuff that honestly i haven't read class one you should read that me and matt loved is the count of monte cristo 
Okay. Okay. That, you would Point. just assume that that's just sort of an adventure action that, that the prose and the mm-hmm. writing and that and the plotting of that book. Yeah. Because okay. one of my questions is, what's your go-to recommend book? Someone you meet someone for the first time, they like, oh, you're right, you like books. Is there a go-to? Yeah. This is my book. Maybe it's not your favorite book, but it's like the book that you go. This is like my. Yeah, I so. I've stopped recommending Blood Meridian to people because <laughs> when I try to, it doesn't it doesn't seem to every time I recommend it, I have great conversations with people about it. And like, yeah, when I run into somebody who's also loves it, it's like I feel like we're part of this little club. It's great. Um, so but when I recommend it to people, I often get like, man, this is this is I get like a few days later, man, this is weird. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, it is weird. You're right. Um the big one, big one for me that I found myself recommending more regularly lately is Tree of Smoke by Dennis Johnson. That's a really good book. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> Matt, I know you, I think you checked that out once. It's on my TBR. I checked out the audio, but didn't get around to listening to it. But, it's a yeah. Vietnam book with like no real battles. It's very there's like one there's like one yeah 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 it's very it's it's more on the intelligence side and the sort of the aftermath side kind of um but god it's so good it's 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 a little on the long side for yeah. a recommendation honestly um you know because when i when you say recommend what i think is like what do we recommend to somebody who's like you know kind of wants to read but maybe doesn't yeah. read a lot exactly. that's kind of the person that appear, appears in my mind so it's a little long for that, but um, it's it's just masterfully done. Did you ever read um, uh, Jesus's Son? It's yeah, like, that's that's, a, that's a good one. Yeah, I I tried to teach that. Um, so I briefly taught writing in a jail in Texas. Okay, and I tried to teach. That was one I tried to teach that just did not land. <laughs> <laughs> they, I thought they would get it because it's like junkies and like addiction and like yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yep. I thought they would love it, and like I just got a blank stares um which would surprise me um but yeah i, I love jesus son I, I mean to me we were talking about the raymond carver sort of short story paradigm like i think you should slip out some of those and slip in some of the dennis johnson short stories if you're gonna you know that's my opinion yeah tree of smoke is fantastic yeah. um, so good matt do you have a go-to recommend I'm trying to think if i it used to be cloud atlas and especially for people who may not read a lot, you know, you get a lot of like when other people know you read a lot, they're like, what's a good, I just, you know, I never have time and cloud Atlas. But what I would always run into people would ask, what's it about? Right. Well, uh, just, just read it. Just trust me. Right. <laughs> it's half stories, half cut off halfway, but he wraps them up. It's like a pyramid. And it's mm-hmm. still frankly at you. It's just like, I- just trust me. Read it. I remember you recommended that book to me, and that you know that solidified our friendship because I, I read. It, I was like, "This is fantastic." Yeah, it's a great book. That, uh-huh. That's a, that is that is a good recommend too because it's also. Um, what am I trying to think? Like, there's no. So there are sometimes when you re- recommend a book where I feel like you can get uh, you can get a little per, you can get a little self conscious that the person will start reading it and start psychoanalyzing you. Yeah. Or having recommended yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas I feel like for whatever reason, Cloud Atlas, I wouldn't have that problem. Like, but if I did recommend like uh 
like I'm not I don't recommend William S. Burroughs to people. Yeah. yeah. Just like randomly because I realized he's he's like what we call problematic. Right. And the work is pretty out there. And like I if I did, I'd have to be like, yeah, I know he talks about sex magic for like 30 pages, but just get through it. You know, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so but but Cloud Atlas is sort of sits in that place where amazing amazing book but like mm-hmm. yeah i might i might i might steal that actually Let's just start do doing it it's just yeah. have it figure out uh when people ask what's it about like, right yeah that's that's the trick just some yeah. That's, yeah maybe just tell them what the first part is about like the I first found, section i also had to warn certain people i think he warned me i know you're gonna say like the writing style the, I'm like what style changes <laughs> don't be put off by that because it's gonna switch and that's part of the pleasure when you get into it Mm-hmm. is how adept this guy is at changing tone and yeah. voice. But yeah. I don't know why I never read any more by him because I really did like Cloud Atlas. I'm uh, sure the rest of the thousand autumns of Jake Jacob Dezote's really good. I think is we're it, a yeah. big David Mitchell podcast. Okay. Oh, yeah. okay. I gotta I gotta get more into David Mitchell for sure. Number nine dream is fun. That's his like Murakami, his take on Murakami. Okay. There is I don't know weird, surreal, dreamlike i love that stuff yeah black swan green is kind of like a coming of age novel it's pretty crazy how he he's very good at you know yeah. i like the bone clocks peter was a lot of people got turned off by the bone clocks. it but, wasn't my favorite well because he added it was a uh, six short stories right but it kind of woven together as a novel with a through line and they're all really good some were pretty straightforward literary you know yeah. and and the, the the fifth the fifth one is like sci-fi vampire stuff. Oh, and nice! I it kind of, I remember reading an article when it came out. I think it was Salon or one of those websites, and they were just devastated by the fact that there's like vampires in this book. <laughs> oh. And I, I, I take pleasure in that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Why not? I mean, throw like why not? Out. This guy is obviously very good literary quality writer and then he put mm-hmm. some vampires in there deal with it he wanted to do it he felt like doing it yeah props props to david mitchell good job man all right here's my next yeah. question it's a little it's kind of yeah. simpler all right you work at an independent bookstore right in the independent mm-hmm. store we go to like the staff has a whole like shelf okay of recommends mm-hmm. shout out yeah. kelvin kelvin is my guy at old firehouse kelvin i'm like okay my wife was like, it's Kelvin working here. I'm like, what are you doing? I don't want to meet him. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> right. Yeah, we already have she, a relationship. That would just I, had, I told her, I was like, Kelvin, <laughs> Kelvin is really good. And she's like, comes checking out. And she's like, does Kelvin work here? My husband. I'm like, don't. What are you doing? <laughs> anyway. Yeah. What are yeah. you putting on your shelf of like, this is the recommended. Yeah. Right. It's so right now. Ones. So. Yeah, so I gotta. So I, I'm sort of in the uh, super indie writing world, and so yeah. I gotta I gotta help my friends out because we we like help this. each other out. So right now, um, and this is a, doesn't mean it's not a genuine recommend because it's really good. Uh, Tom Wills' book that just came out, Pale Townie. It's short. It's I mean it's I guess it's technically poetry, but it's it's sort of long form poetry. Came out on Apocalypse Confidential. Super good. I think it's like 80 pages, maybe even less than that. Very short, very good, smart, acerbic moments of beauty. Great. That'd be that'd be a big one that I would put up right now. Um, what else would I what else would I put up there? This is a good, this is a good question. 
Um, uh, you know, and then I, we, I, I like some books that, and then I, the next thing I think about when you're like sort of recommend is like, what is a book that people don't really know about? Right. Like I don't need to recommend blood Meridian probably. Right. Yeah. So, um, so I get thinking about, um, uh, like, uh, NYRB books, right. New York review books. Um, and so a big one there for me is butcher's crossing by, uh, John Williams. I know everybody loves stoner and stoner is great. I think butcher's crossing butcher's crossing is the one that I will read again. Um, the next chance I get for sure. So that's two that w- I would definitely, I would definitely put in my list. What does I, Kelvin recommend right now? I haven't been there in a while, but it's usually yeah. pretty solid. Right. I'm like, all right. Sometimes I'm like, yeah. uh, maybe I should change my taste because I've never heard of that book. Yeah. But I'm glad right. you mentioned the <laughs> New York Review books because I'm a big fan of uh, mm-hmm. that imprint. And I don't know if you ever read, they've been publishing a lot of this author's like, Hungarian Magda Zabo. I've like seen the, that name. I, I have the not door read it. is kind of the one that kind of drew me into her. Highly yeah. recommend. Magazine. Is that right? Matt always okay. makes fun of me. I read these sad European books. Those are sad European books. <laughs> I like sad European books too, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm writing this down. Magda Zabo. Yeah. See, yeah. I have to be very, like, I have to um, sort of schedule my non art of darkness reading. So, cause I get, I usually get like one book one maybe two books between preparing for episodes and so i'm sort of like okay got to pick it very carefully i can't have anything that i'm going to get mad at 30 pages in and throw away i have to get a book that i'm i know i have a reasonable chance that i'm actually going to like it so yeah they're not they're not too long yeah what's that matt oh i was asking like so you structure your outside reading oh i do now yeah yeah for sure um um well, and, and well, this is the other thing, too. So I have a lot of reading. I'm kind of done with my research reading. I have a lot of reading that I was doing um, for the novel that I'm writing out right now, too. So between re- reading for the podcast, which is somewhere between two and five books per episode, uh, I do one of those a month. And then the stuff that I'm reading in preparation was reading to research the novel that I'm working on now there's not a whole lot left so like outside of that i have to like it has to have drawn me to it for some reason a strong recommend or like some big blind spot that i had or something that is sort of like uh you know i woke up in the middle of the night was like oh, i gotta read that it's gotta be something like that hearing you talk about books i have another one Uh, recommendations are kind of tricky because you might hate this book but or author and i think matt was a little skeptical of this author before we we read her have you heard of Olga Tokarczuk? Drive- I, I know about her, but I have not read any of her, and I drive know that your, I need to. Drive Your Plow Over the Bones of the Dead. I feel like we love that title. Yeah, great title. I mean, I like, yeah. that's where it was drawn. It really is. is <laughs> good. And Matt was skeptical, and he was like, I don't know, but that's that's another one where it's kind of, uh, that would be, it's a little bit kind of, would you consider it magical realism, Matt, or like kind of something a little borderline. Bit yeah, it was almost like a murder mystery, but like literary. I don't know. I was like pleasantly it. surprised. Yeah. yeah, I've heard I've heard good good things from about that from Twitter too. She's definitely on my list of somebody's that's like a contemporary blind spot for me. That yeah, I would love to. I'm gonna have to sink my teeth into that at some point. This is great. I got a whole list of stuff to read now. Uh, I I did have <laughs> a. This is Peter Mix recommendations here, or like 
you don't have to take these, but I did have a yeah. offer for, you know, um, Art of Darkness, like, episode. I don't know if you're sure. Uh, Fernando Pessoa, the Portuguese writer who did uh, The Book of Disquiet. Yeah. I don't know. I felt like. Yeah, like, that is that is a good one. That we do need to do. Just that. had a new biography published within the last two years, and then I think the Perfect. book of Disquiet was just uh, reprinted. Might have been by the New York. A new kind of um, edition was published of that, and I just yeah. felt like that was an author that he he writes in. Um, he created these like identities that he called heteronomes. Created like seventy five of them, and they're like completely full identities and with like backstories and i yeah. read and it's very i was kind of reading casually and i was like this is a casual book this is like yeah. <laughs> not <Yeah. laughs> just pick it up uh you know on my lunch break uh, right 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 that was right. just yeah that, was, that concludes my like recommendations but no i like what? that that's going that's going on the list we have a kevin okay. and i maintain a list and that's that's a great one for sure let's get there we're, we're 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 planned like at this point, we're planned for like our core episodes. I think we're planned probably into the middle of next year. At this oh, point. really? A little daunting because you're like, am I really going to want to study whoever nine months from now? Um, but but we'll do it. It's worked out pretty well so far. We've been reading Life and Fate for two years. Oh, I'm sorry. You've been reading The Life of What for two years? We've been reading Life and Fate for two years. Oh, what is that? Oh, Vastly Grossman. Oh, see, this is another one that I know that you mentioned embarrassing gaps. Vastly Grossman's another yeah. one. I mean, yeah. we're embarrassed. We started this book like a year and a half ago. We're not done with it. It's, been a while. it's like a thousand pages. So, uh, well, yeah. Anyway, I don't know if I'm ever going to have the time in my life to read another thousand page book. I'd love to, but like realistically, it's, I don't I don't see where it's going to fit, to be honest with you. <laughs> I bought and I've shown Matt this book and it's for some reason right next to me. And it's New York mm-hmm. Review Books. It's Anniversaries by Hugh Johnson. It's a German book. Whoa. This two uh, book volume is characters one year of their life. Oh my and I'm God. a sucker for like books that are way too long that I'll probably never yeah. read. And I just go, okay. every couple months, I'll like, let me buy that. Okay. Yeah. So, so. so do you have the whole Nausgaard, um collection? No, I don't. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I've heard good things about that. It, the the premise just didn't appeal to me. I, I couldn't, I couldn't get into it. But yeah. it seems like that's in that's in that style. So, Matt, any question? Yeah. I feel like I've been hogging the questions. You're making recommendations, you're trying to get them to do episodes of podcasts. Pessoa <laughs> like, is going as a strong okay. candidate for that, when for, I was for sure. Thinking about authors, there would be like, what would be an author I'd want to learn more about? Because mm-hmm. he's just it's, it's very interesting character. If you look at his yeah. Wikipedia page, it's like, oh, this is, and then it kind of gets all over the map. And you're like, oh, this is a interesting life. This yeah, I don't know anything about. I don't know anything about him as a person, to be honest. So that would be that would be fun to do for sure. Yeah, I have like five I want you guys to do, but I'm also trying to play it cool because I figure <laughs> that's what people ask you and bother you about. So I'm just gonna like. So give it's, me, uh, well, give me, give me one or two. Come well, on, man. Give me I, two. I embarrassed us by being so, like, yeah. hey, these are the authors. Yeah. <laughs> As a fan, mm-hmm. I would love to hear you guys talk about Richard Burton. Oh, the explorer, yeah. not the actor. The, oh, I, the Arabian, okay. The Arabian Nights guy. Yeah, that could be really cool, I, actually. He wrote a bunch of books on his own to you know, yeah. translate Kama Sutra, Arabian Nights, but he wrote 
he was the first westerner he like dressed up as a persian merchant and snuck into mecca yeah that would be and he wrote that would be that yeah wait so what are his years hold on sorry i'm like i I hate to do this where was he born 1821 to 1890 interesting okay all right that goes on the list (laughs) white burned a lot of his papers after he died i feel like there's a lot of juice there yeah for sure for sure and then, I, yeah. I'm a sucker for that like second age of exploration stuff, like late oh. mid to late 19th century when there were there was a lot of people sort of like, you know, we discovered the new world, but like, hey, nobody's been to the North Pole yet. We should do that. Yeah. Like yeah. they're like well, coming up with new stuff that they got to do. I love, he I love and his that arch stuff. nemesis found the source of the night or the first Westerners to. Interesting. to so they found what Lake Victoria. Like there's, there's a ton okay. of stuff there. It's yeah, that's really cool. That stuff's really cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What you got? You got another one? Is there? Uh, another, we'll come on, Matt. I want to hear. You had five. Well, Vidal. <laughs> Is your next one gonna be Stephen King? Gorbachev. Say that one. Gorbidal? Stephen King's still alive. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Gorbachev and Christopher Hitchens. Ooh. Are two that like. Those are two good ones. You did, and yeah. I'd be hovering around like. Yeah. Like, <laughs> You guys need help. Uh, <laughs> those two. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Those are both interesting. I mean, I Gore Vidal is fascinating. He came up a bit uh, surprisingly in our uh, uh, a nice Nin episode. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. They were like buddies, even though she he shows, seemed to be sort of weirdly repulsed by her. Um, <laughs> she shows up in his memoirs. Yeah. Oh, does she? Okay. Yeah. yeah she's a trip. Um, yeah. Um, so that one. That one would be really cool. And and the Christopher Hitchens would be great too. I mean, that's a that's a personality type that like doesn't exist in the public sphere anymore. Is Christopher oh, Hitchens? Yeah, we don't of... have anybody like that anymore. Yeah. Which is sorely like even if you don't agree with him, like he and everything, you know, there's he that type of voice I think is important for public discourse. Just the oh. like, you know, even if you disagree with him, it's like ah, this guy's smarter than me, isn't he? Like, mm-hmm. and he can talk and. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of my relationship to him now. I was big on mm-hmm. him in college, mm-hmm. and I find I kind of grew apart from him politically. But he's still mm-hmm. fun to dip into. Yeah, he, yeah. You know, and he's 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 witty. He's just wit. Yeah, we feel like we don't have that many witty people out there anymore. Yeah, Maybe I'm missing. Point. Everyone's very serious. It seems like that. Serious. Yeah, yeah. And on Twitter, you get all offended all the time. Right. <laughs> I, yeah, that's surprising that if you say you haven't read somebody. That's yeah. not. It was bizarre. That's, not, that's very bizarre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Matt, Matt knows that I haven't seen a lot of movies, and now I'm afraid if that ever got onto the Twitter, that people are like you haven't seen The Godfather. I'm like, no, crucified. Yeah. It's insane, Brad. Like, it makes him so movies. angry, and I it almost I feel like I shouldn't watch these movies ever. I mean, it's the dynamic Wars. of our friendship. They haven't seen like, Star Wars. Yeah, I mean, not all of them. Not all yeah. of them. Braveheart, Indiana Jones. Uh, Some what? of these I've seen. Were you like, of. were you Amish or what happened? I know, no, but that's what's bad. <laughs> if it's Amish, it'd be like, oh, okay. Or like, yeah. you're a weird cult. You're like, oh, yeah. that's oh. But he's just a normal. I'm just okay. a normal guy that just didn't watch. Didn't watch a lot of movies. Yeah. Oh, I did, though. That's the weird thing. I watched, yeah. but I never watched. I almost feel like. I have this weird sense in my, it's kind of with books too, where it's, if it's something gets like talked about too much, I don't have this inclination to go and want to watch it or read it. Maybe. I get that. I, I get um, that. It's almost like I want to have my own path. 
And I yeah. had that sort of with books too. Like I would read sort of the kind of the modern library top 100 books. And then at a certain like, right, kind of during college and then right after college, I'm like, let me just go off on my own and do whatever. I, 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 think, kinda, I think that's better. Really. Yeah. Yeah. And find my I, own authors that I like and, and whatnot. But I kind of did the same thing with movies too. I know I'm that way with TV because well, now like TV is actual television series are like they're different than when 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 I was younger sort of growing up. I mean, everybody kind of watched the same thing because there was there was only so yeah. many things to watch yeah. sort of. Um, but now there seems to be this like got to catch them all Pokemon kind of thing going on where there's like a new series. I don't watch hardly any of it. honestly. <laughs> my my wife and I watch like one episode of something a week. So at that pace, I can watch like, I don't know, three seasons of TV in a year, like of a show in a year. So I I can't keep up with any of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It just doesn't happen. There's just so much of it out there. And there is. It's just like every time you like turn into whatever Netflix or whatever, it's like, oh, there's 17 new shows that I've never heard of that all have five seasons. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> some of it's good some of it honestly it's interesting to watch from like if you study story structure it's kind of mm -hmm. like you can see where they're going for but it's especially some of the not good stuff it's mm -hmm. kind of it clarifies certain aspects of story like i see what they're they didn't quite get there right stew or something without salt but yeah i don't like this but it's interesting to to see yeah. where they were Amen. yeah and there's also sometimes too and this isn't a, like a um it's too slow because i don't like the it's slow complaint but there are shows you can watch where you're like oh this is a five episode arc that they stretched out into 12 episodes yeah. it's just like there's this isn't most of this isn't servicing the narrative or the characters or anything it's just sort of like there yeah there's i've or seen they, i've noticed a fair amount of that yeah yeah. They have to fill twenty seasons or twenty episodes a season. And, right, right, um, and and then and then most of the time people are kind of so addicted to it that they're going to kind of plow through it anyway because it's got that very like dopaminergic cycle going on, you know. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So you're talking to the, me. I'm the only person who liked the last season of Game of Thrones. And my oh. my reasoning was, what other show has dragons? Well, I mean, it's a good point. And then everyone's like, <laughs> "I'm like, I understand the criticism." The criticism mm -hmm. valid, way too fast yeah. storytelling. Yeah, they ruined the whole thing. But then yeah. in my heart of hearts, I was like, "This shows dragons." And right, that's cool. Yeah, whoever saw dragons on that scale when it wasn't like totally cheesy. And they right? did it. Mm -hmm. And guess what? They didn't have a dragon show right after that. That was awesome. So no, <laughs> so, yeah, I, it, it, it's not a good. It's not a good season. I yeah. did enjoy it, and that's fine. So but I try to. I try to. Yeah, I try to be careful with some of it, like, like, so, you know, as a writer, I know how difficult it is to write these things. And there is like a, there is like, I I, I kind of want, part of me wants to be nice a little bit or like, um, not nice, like give these things some forgiveness. Like something doesn't have to be perfect to be good yeah. to me. Like this shit, this stuff's hard to pull off, man. You're going to pull off a nine season mega series, a huge budget, you know, cast of characters, hundreds. And like, no, oh, that wasn't perfect. Like, come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what they tried? You know, it's like trying to, you know, it's like trying to build the airplane as you land it. Uh, the fact that they managed to make a coherent ending at all is pretty impressive. Especially a show like that where there's a deadline. It's not like a novel. 
Yeah. Also, yeah. I'm pretty forgiving. With. Yeah. Yeah. It's also I tend to be forgiving. Too. Huh? It's like fan service too. It's like hard to like fan yeah. have an idea of what like the story that. is. And it's like, well, it's this isn't created by you know 10 million right. people. This is right. It is what it is. And then you yeah. decide if you like it or I don't know. The books well, are that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, what happens with, with TV is a lot of times is I think what happens is they they kind of shoot themselves in the foot by trying to satisfy as many people as possible. Mm, you know, yeah. like I always think of um, like, you know, it's not a like a dramatic show that has, you know, an arching arcing story. But like I always thought Louis C.K., uh, not his sitcom he did, but the show he did for FX oh, yeah, was a sort of a. Yeah. Yeah, I I think that show was absolutely brilliant. And I think one thing that was instructive about it is like, if you just let one person who's got the chops do as much of it as possible, that might be actually the way to do it. Instead of like a whole committee of like, you know, like test audiences and like 47 people in the writer's room and like maybe just have like one person and a handful of people that he he or she needs for some help. Yeah. And let them really like cut their vision. Um, that might lead to like the greatest, um, you know, television show or movie or whatever. But I would agree. I there's a lot of shows you can mention that were good until the original showrunner left, like a mm-hmm. uh, community. Yeah, yeah. And then Dan Harmon left, and there's a right. noticeable difference. Right, and and yeah, Dan Harmon is like famously like an insane workaholic, like. Right. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So you lose a guy like that and then it's it's not going to be the same. I mean, it's, I'm kind of biased, though. Right. I'm a novelist and novelist yeah. is like the most self-centered, lonely of the art forms. <laughs> I don't know. Lead and if you're like up there, lead singer, lead singers probably up there. Lead but if you were like, oh, you, hey, Brad, you got to write a novel with another person. I'd be like, that's literally not writing a novel anymore. That's not interesting at all. <laughs> so so I'm probably kind of biased in this regard. You mentioned you're writing a novel. Do you have like a set structure? I'm always, I was fascinated by like writers and their the process mm. and they're kind of, they treat it like work. It's not just like this creative fantasy thing and the book just pops out yeah. and it's done. How is your yeah. schedule? Like I'm fascinated, like deep morning. Sure. Like how do you structure your sort of writing time? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I would love to be writing more, uh, but I write almost enough now. Um, I, I wake up a, around 4.15 and I write until about seven, um, basically seven days a week, unless like I'm traveling or doing something out of town or I had like a late night or something. Um, yeah, so that's like the daily structure. If I can get another hour in sometime during the day, that's amazing. But like House of Sleep, almost all of House of Sleep is written before seven o'clock in the morning. Um, and that, you know, I had a great um, <clears throat> mentor who basically told me once, he's like, listen, nobody's writing more than four hours a day. And if they tell you they are, they're they're lying. <laughs> and And I think he didn't mean like, obviously every once in a while somebody is like doing a big day or something but i think what he meant is like a sustained on average nobody's really writing more than that um and i have found that like for me personally there's some cap after like three and a half hours in a day where i'm just like i'm not 
I can sit here in front of the computer, but literally nothing's going to happen. So at least I try to get at least two hours, excuse me, two hours a day in. Yeah. And then, and then that's every, try to do that every single day. Um, and some day, some of those days are productive and some are not, some are just kind of sitting here, <laughs> which is fine too. That's one thing I think that's important to like, one thing that was a challenge for me to sort of accept and understand was like, yeah, sometimes like actually just sitting there is part of the process. That's you don't realize that that actually is you're maybe you're doing something on a level you're not even really cognizant of necessarily. So so that's big for me. Um, and then, yeah, like. Yeah, I don't know if that answers your question. It's pretty simple, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. Do you work yeah. on just one project at a time or do you have multiple ideas, books, st stories, sort of? Yeah. Yeah, it's, that's a good question. I, I scale, do you kind of... Yeah, I would prefer other... to work on one thing at a time. Um, okay. It does get stale. Like the novel I'm working on now, I've been working on for two and a half years. And like, honestly, I would love for it to be done. It's just not... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and it's still got some it's still got some zhuzh like I'm still excited about it but yeah. like I had to rewrite I, I mean some of the stuff I'm on like the 10th draft of I'm just like I that would be really cool if this was just done right now. <laughs> that would be awesome. Um uh but I do I mean I'm I um I'm getting more people asking me to write uh short stories for stuff lately in the last year or two so I've been trying to do that um write a story or like i don't know a story every four months or something like that but that is a big distraction honestly um because short stories per page are harder than novels um and so that yeah, i have to like i have to cut out a big chunk of my pro that two hours every day that becomes a couple of weeks dedicated to that short story and and a lot of about writing a novel is momentum so it takes a while to catch back to the to that stream that you kind of let go by. So that's that's a real challenge. But um, I like I love writing short stories. So it's 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 all right. But it does it definitely slows things down um, for sure. But you know, it, but it's probably good in a way. Kind of gets things fresh. There's always that thing of like I'm sure everybody's had this issue where you've got some kind of problem and it doesn't make sense and you can't figure it out and you go do something else and you come back and it makes sense all of a sudden. You're like thinking yeah. subconsciously. That's, I mean, most of the novel I think is written subconsciously. So that's definitely a factor. Um, and then other ideas, like I know what the next novel is generally okay. right now. So um, kind of chomping at the bit to get into that for sure. How long did House of Sleep take from kind of the idea to completion? Is this yeah. So thought of maybe in, in the MFA program or is it? Yeah. Not so not. Not quite. So when I came out of MFA, I came out with a finished novel that, you know, never went anywhere. It's not available to anyone. <laughs> sort of my secret novel. Um, and that was 2013. And it took till 2021 for House of Sleep to came out, come out. I had two novels that were abandoned between the, between my secret novel my mfa novel and house of sleep starting so that was most of that time i spent a bunch of time the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pages and just threw it all away and then house of sleep came out of a short story i started it in um i want to say 2000 let's see 2021 it would have been 2016 or 17 
Um, so it took three or four, three to four years to, to write wow. House of Sleep to get it done and like out. Yeah. So, that's so it took a while for yeah. sure. <laughs> that sounds like a lot of hard work. Uh, yeah. I'm always, yeah. Yeah, I'm fascinated by just, we've had a couple of authors on the podcast and just their writing stuff and how difficult it is to abandon a project. Do you have to have another project that you're more interested in to abandon something or is it like, just yeah. like my energy is not going to be. Yeah, no, this like is a really most... good question. And I found, I found the rule that everybody should follow for this. Okay. And I really think this is the rule and it, and this is for me. So I didn't um, start second guessing myself. Um, my rule is I don't quit anything, a writing project or anything, unless I'm quitting it to do something harder. Oh, and that keeps me honest because <laughs> that so cool. means I'm not quitting because it's hard. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. cause you can definitely do that in a novel. Just be like, Oh, this book's is no good. And it never will be. And it's like, no, it's just really hard. It's really hard to make it any good at all. Um, but if the rule is I'm not going to give it up unless I've got something more challenging, then it, I feel like it keeps you honest and, and, and keeps you, yeah, it keeps you from it keeps you from like lying to yourself. I feel like, um, and the, the the book I gave up to write House of Sleep, House of Sleep was harder than that book. Yeah, and and, and more interesting too, but also actually technically more difficult. So, so I was I was in the clear, and I don't remember where I got that piece of advice from, but I got it from somebody, and it was like I felt like, yeah, I felt like I'd gotten a, a key of some kind. So it's a good rule for me. Good is that the one you gave up on? Is that in the ether or is it you just done? Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting because it was, uh, well, one of them, so I gave up two really, but one of them was a, um, one of them was uh, an AI novel. And this would have, you know, this was eight years or whatever it was, 2006, 2017, something like that. Um, so six years. Um, and my thoughts on that stuff have changed since then. Like the premise of it wouldn't even work anymore. Um, there was some cool stuff in there that I might use some like some interesting like terrorism kind of stuff. And and uh, there is a trope in there that I've been dying to use for something and I can never seem to make it work. Um, so some of those elements could definitely come up again. Um, the uh, Another of the novels I wrote was something it was way too ambitious for where I was as a writer. Um, I didn't have the chops or the scope or the concentration or the, um, the wherewithal to write it. So maybe one day I'll revisit. It was about like a time traveling criminal syndicate. And it like, it was, it was pretty insane. It would probably be better as like a comic book or something, honestly, than, than a novel. Um, but it was way too, it was way too ambitious. You know, me. I, I read a interview with Dennis Lehane and he was talking mm -hmm. about mystic river and he had the idea for that. I think right out of his MFA program, mm -hmm. but he didn't feel like he was mature enough to write mystic river. And especially that scene where the, I don't spoil anything, but there's yeah. a very, very emotional scene. He's like, I just can't do that. So we wrote his Kenji Gennaro private eye series and he came mm -hmm. back around to mystic river when he felt he was ready. Mm hmm it makes sense. You, and there is, there is a certain logic to that. It's, it's like, I mean, you're going to learn a lot by writing the book. I mean, they're, they're 
tremendously educational. It's a tremendously educational process. So you're a different person at the end than when you start. Um, but there is a certain sense of like, yeah, I don't know if I, should, you know, it, it, I mean, a radical example would be like a 22 year old trying to write a book about being trying to write old man in the sea. It's just like, you don't, it's just not your, it's not your territory yet. Someday it will be, but it's just not, it's just not for you yet. Yeah. So that's yeah, a good, there's a, that's a good book. Old man in the sea. It is. It's great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. But Hemingway wouldn't have written it when he was 22. <laughs> he um, had to write, you know, all the other great books true. that he wrote first. Yeah. Is there a, like a episode or a prof profile of an author you guys have done on the podcast where you've not just learned something, but kind of like taken maybe their story or how they worked or any kind of like, has it motivated you in any way or, or is it yeah. inspiration in some sense? Maybe not necessarily like, you know, how to, just sort of like maybe work ethic or just, is there any sort of examples of that? Yeah. Yeah. I think there's probably a few. Um, so uh, a couple of them, I would say not so much work ethic, um, but like how to um, something almost like metacognitive, like how, how to think about what you're doing. Mm -hmm. um, and one of those was um, uh, the Ernst Junge episode. It's the writer Ernst Junge who's controversial and, I just saw there was a big kerfuffle about him on Twitter the other day, speaking of that. Um, and not to get into, you know, whatever his politics may have been, but he had this he has this perspective of like when you look at his example was like, if you look at the moon, you should be able to see it as a scientific object open for rational inquiry. And you should also be able to see it as the goddess that was worshipped by cults in ancient Greece. And you want to be able to see it on both of those levels at the same time. And that's being able to do that and sort of being able to hold them like the, as those two things simultaneously um, is incredibly productive. And so that that kind of thing. And he really that was one of those things. Sometimes you hear something and you're like, I knew that, but I never yeah. I never articulated it. Right. Or I felt like I knew that was that was that was big for me. Um, and then another one was actually. Borges I felt bad for Gwyn getting piled on for Borges and I was like dude just I wanted to be like um what is uh what is that uh that old story uh Serrano de Bergiac or whatever he's got the big nose oh, yeah. and he's, he's telling us I wanted to do that for Gwyn and be like dude just let me I'll tell you what to say about Borges yeah <laughs> you'll be Should fine tag me in tag me in I'm ready I'm ready yeah, exactly, exactly we'll dm and then yeah um and, and and partially what I I reckon like got out of him was like Borges, um, his thing was how 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 to say this. Partially with the partially the amazing thing about Borges, and I don't know if he ever quite stated this, but I I know from reading his biography and reading a lot of his letters and reading a ton of his work that this is what he was thinking. Um. For Borges, and I, I feel like I'm trying more all the time to adopt this, it's like, if somebody else could have done it, or would have done it, then don't bother. And so that doesn't mean it's good necessarily. But like, you, if you're going to do this thing, and you're going to spend two hours every day for the rest of your life. You might as well do the thing that only you can do. 
good or bad, you know, whether, it, you know, everybody loves it or everybody hates it. Um, because that's the only thing that's going to keep you interested. It's the only thing that has any chance of genuinely interesting other people, right? You're not, if I try to write Raymond Carver stories over and over again, who cares? Yeah. Raymond Carver already did it, you know? Um, so those would be, I would say those would be the two biggest ones. And, and they both led very, very interesting lives, yeah. both of them for sure. So, but yeah, I'm getting that. And that's a really good question. Cause honestly, art of darkness has become doing the art of darkness show has become this sort of cheat code because I feel like I'm really getting into the head of heads of all these artists. Um, and it's useful. I get something, I would say I, would get, I get something from just about all of them really. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, as an artist, you know, as an art, someone trying to be an artist myself. Yeah. You know, it was listening to Art of Darkness, the Ernst Jung one. Yeah. I learned it wasn't pronounced Ernest Younger. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yeah. I learned that too. Ke Kevin is, I did that episode and Kevin is the German guy. And I had to, t I had, I had some conversations with him before. I was like, how do I say this? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I thought it was Michael Folk for a long time yeah somebody mentioned yeah. Michelle and I was like yeah we can't admit all these wait no oh well oh Garta I thought yeah. that was both nobody, nobody can pronounce and get the nobody pronounce yeah that one that one I don't think you can feel bad about yeah yeah. is fast. I've heard of goes fast. I, right. I can't pronounce anything on this podcast so I'm just like yeah. mispronounce away <laughs> But, you just gotta lean into it. This is what I'm realizing. Just let's lean into it. Yeah. This is embarrassing, yeah. but we're reading a Nicholas Sparks Sparks book as a like out of left field really? book that we were like, okay. hey, let's pick it. And we don't know how to pronounce the title of the book. It's I think it's Knights yeah. and Rodanthe, but we pronounce it Knights and Rodan for like 20 just, minutes yeah. on the podcast. And then I was like, <laughs> I think we're not pronouncing this right. <laughs> but guess what? The the Nicholas Sparks fans have not come at us, Matt. No? Oh, that's good. Yeah. They might not be podcast listeners. <laughs> yeah, they might not be. Uh, life and Fate and Nets and Rodanthe and uh, Mastering Margarita. Wow, these guys are. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Oh, anyway. man. I have all kinds. That's that's actually part of my job on Art of Darkness System is pronounce stuff. Okay. And I, I secretly, if a German word comes up, I kind of mispronounce it on purpose to get give Kevin an ulcer. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I especially with French stuff, you lean into it, say it weird. And yeah, they question you, kind of look at them like kind of patronizing and be like, Oh, you right, say you want, buddy. You say it right. confidently <laughs> <Exactly>. enough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the other thing is like, who even determines what's the right way to pronounce any of this stuff? Yeah. You know, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, Brad, this has been uh, you sound like a busy person, so I don't want to. This has been a very fun episode. Um, yeah, I've really enjoyed it. This is cool. I, li I, I listen to your show. I don't listen to every single episode. I listen to, I would say, the vast majority of them. I, lo I love your sh show. And I was wondering when we started if the, if you guys had the music playing while you recorded. No, I, I, I am not a very good editor. That's all the programming thing. And I love it. It's great. It's very, it's very basic. I just stumbled into the, uh, I'm like, oh, I can put music behind you. And Matt's like, hey, can we get songs on there? I was like, no, nah, I don't know. I can get these like... <laughs> <laughs> random songs that i'll just keep as our uh, uh but, kind of but generic see, this is one of 
this is the one of the other brilliant things, man. The limitations are what make things cool, honestly. Yeah. You don't know how to do it, so well, you like do you whatever do. you know how to do, and sometimes that ends up being the coolest thing. I so, feel as yeah, a, as a as a, uh, as a guest here. Um, do you have a? Um, we do nominations and picking books, kind of like every month. We're always behind. Mm-hmm. Do you have a nomination or two that we'll we'll kind of mull over for the next, let's ah. say, August, September? Do you have a book? Maybe it could be old, could be new, but we'll. we'll Let me we'll see. I'm just looking the, at uh, my. I'm looking at my shelf here. Um, you guys, I mean, you guys read uh, everything, really. So yeah, we 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 don't shy away. I mean, we're reading Nicholas Sparks, so I mean, <laughs> we, we tackle the heavy hitters here, okay? <laughs> um. Uh, Three Stigmata of Palmer Eldritch by Philip K. Dick. That's my Ooh. vote. Okay. All right. Yeah. I'll yeah. We'll go on. Probably All pick right. that one. We we feel I whenever whenever people uh, suggest books to us, I feel like oh, we should probably they're listening. That we should probably be what they want to want to. That's why we're doing Life and Fate. Yeah. Right. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a lady so that's good. Tasmania. I keep. I brought up. Uh, yeah, the Australian lady. Made us read life in fame. I keep bringing up Man in High Castle, but I could do. a good do, book too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I picked Palmer Eldridge because mine and Man in High Castle is great, and that might be. I I, I don't like superlatives necessarily but like if someone says that's the best Philip K. Dick book, I won't disagree with it. But Palmer Eldridge is like the most. Uh, Palmer Eldridge is the weirdest. Is genuinely, in my opinion, the weirdest one. So even uh, compared to Vallis. I think it's weirder than Vallis, really? personally. Oh. <laughs> yeah, really? yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right. it's it's pretty. You know, you get to the end and you're like, I'm not even sure what level of that was like real. Like, where? Okay. You know, what level of it was the story actually happening on? I'm not even sure. Yeah. All right. I'm down. Weird. I haven't read. I haven't read Palmer Eldridge. So yeah, it's a, it's a it's a good one. I, I enjoy it. Yeah. It'll be a palate cleanser after uh, Nights in Rodanthe. August, and, uh, yeah. Matt, we might like this. We might like this book. I'm just warning you. I like Philip K. Dick. Peter. No, I'm saying yeah. the the Knights of Rodanthe. Oh, Rodanthe. No, that's yeah. a whole other guilt. Like reading guilty pleasures. We'll Why see not? if I actually have sparks. But I like I like those Lifetime Christmas movies. I know I'm a, I'm a sucker. I all unironically I enjoy. Just be like I don't. Yeah. You haven't seen The Godfather? Yeah, I watched National Rodanthe twice last night. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a gear fan. I don't know what to tell you. But uh, uh, hey, there's something to like comfort stuff, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, it just makes you feel good. Yeah, Sometimes it's all just, right. You just need a break. Yeah. Yeah. A rest. 100. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. You're talking way too much about this book. Uh, <laughs> podcast hey, called. Oh, go ahead, Matt. Oh, sorry. I was just going to ask where we can find your short stories that you mentioned. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, probably the best. I have, I don't know, some on my on my webpage, bragkellyesque.com. Um, and then there's some uh, Apocalypse Confidential. I had a Christmas story come out last year. Um, I'll have a story coming out on the new Double Dealer magazine uh, coming out in september i think um but yeah my website would be the best best place brad kelly esque e, that's e-s-q-u-e.com okay. mm-hmm. and the book is house of sleep podcast of sleep. is art of darkness these are if you want to you come for us for like the 
silly Matt's making chili. How do you make chili conversations? Oh, we'll talk about a book for five minutes. If you want more in depth stuff, the higher learning stuff. Yeah. The, 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 yeah. yeah. Feel smarter. Yeah. We, we, we have fun though, too. No, just, yeah. Just, just yeah, so I don't scare, we don't scare everybody. Else. It's very, yeah. yeah, yeah sometimes yeah, we record, I'm like, Matt, what are we doing? I think last <laughs> week was like 30 minutes of like, I was telling him how I made chili. And he's like, I looked at the clock. I was like, well, this is going to be a fun episode of, yeah. uh, but, uh, I'll have to tell you sometimes the way we do the prepare these episodes sometimes at the end do you ever remember in um the movie old school with like Will Ferrell yeah. where they had to like go back yeah. to college or whatever yeah, yeah yeah there's a moment where Will Ferrell like debates really well and he like he had blacked out and he's like that's how you yeah. debate that is sometimes how I feel after we do an Art of Darkness episode it's like four and a half hours and I sort of stumble upstairs and I listen to it the next day and I'm like how is that any how does that sound good at all like i don't even i was in a fugue state the entire time so mm-hmm. i don't know what you mean i had somebody like repeat something i said like it was so funny with the they like said like with the braces it was fun and i was like what are you talking about like i didn't remember saying the thing she was quoting back to me right 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 oh right, right, right. thank you sorry i don't, yeah. I don't remember yeah. Yeah. <laughs> i used to yeah when i edited them i would listen to the whole episode back and now i'm just like beginning and end and now my yeah, my yeah. wife's like, how was it? I was like, I, we it was good, but I don't. Sometimes it's we need to rein it in. We rein it in. No, no, this shows this shows this shows good, man. This shows well, great. We can't I, I, love, enough, I enjoy it all the time. And you can come back whenever you want. Um, it was an it was an honor. I I really appreciate you guys having me on. This is hopefully so much fun. we didn't give you too many suggestions. We weren't like fans. We're like, hey, you should do you should do episode on. <laughs> Matt no, was, no, those, those the ones you, this, Matt. I didn't know. I didn't know. We didn't talk about that. No, the ones you gave me. Okay. Uh, Pessoa, Richard Burton, Gore Vidal, Christopher Hitchens. Those all go on the list. That doesn't mean they're going to necessarily happen, but they. Well, yeah. Uh, in, a, in, a, in about a month, Kevin and I are going to the middle of the woods for a few days. We never hang out in person or hardly ever because he lives in Minnesota. I live in Michigan. And we're going to, uh, we're, we're doing like an art of darkness retreat. Hopefully, both of us come back. But we're going to come out of it with the season four schedule. So, oh, yeah. nice. Yeah. Well, yeah. we'll we'll be on the lookout for that. And we can't thank you enough yeah. for coming on the podcast. So, 